Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to yet another Thoughts Italian Football podcast in which you're stuck with me. I'm saying it every time now. I think the novelty of being stuck with me is wearing off because <laughs> it's happened a few times. Connor's still absent, um, but this time I'm not down to bare bones. I've got both Kev and Vito with me. So, Vito, how are you getting on? Yeah, I'm doing quite well. Um, probably had a few rough weeks myself, but uh, no, probably feeling a bit better and... Uh, Glad to be back on the pod after a few weeks, especially since uh, Kev was doing his uh, European tour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've had a very, very weird few weeks in terms of people being in different places that has meant different podcasts in different formats. But like I say, this is getting closer to normal. How are you getting on, Kev? I'm good. I've uh, I've had a booster jab this weekend, so I'm all ready to go away for Christmas <laughs> and uh, feeling fine. Where are you off to? If, if you uh, <laughs> Mexico. We're going to go to Mexico for a couple of weeks. The first sit-down holiday me and the wife have had for over a year. So, yeah, looking forward well, to it. Hopefully, I, I should be getting boosted tomorrow. So, I'll um, I'll sync up my flights and go with you, if, if that's all right. Why not? I'm sure there's a pull-out <laughs> social bed. Yeah. Um, so, as always, got to remind everyone, the Patreon... We're on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Forza Italian Football. Three pieces of bonus content a week, largely revolving around preview podcasts slash Champions League slash other things, whatever the hell is going on at the time, which at the moment is everything. Um, this weekend, it's quite a good weekend. This weekend, a bit of a weird one, very mixed results. Um, we had Selena Tyler got whacked by Inter 5 mil, which I think everyone saw coming. Um, Lazio beat Genoa 3-1 so they were both the Friday night games we had uh, Cagliari got whacked as well they got beaten by Udinese 4-0 which I didn't see that coming not something quite as one-sided as that Uh, Bologna 0, Juve 2 Atalanta 1, Roma 4 which is probably the the, the, the shock of the weekend in terms of you know, I think on the preview we talked about that being a Roma trying not to concede as, as much as possible. Uh, Fiorentina 2, Sassuolo 2. That was a very fun game of football with some very good players exhibiting why people are excited about them. Spezia 1, Empoli 1, Sampdoria 1, Venezia 1, uh, Torino 1, Torino? Torino 1, Hellas Verona 0. And it all got rounded off with the big match of Milan 0, Napoli 1, which is a pretty seismic, not seismic is a big word, a big result, <laughs> which is where we'll start. Um, yeah, so Napoli obviously took the lead very early through um, through Elmas. And, you know, it, it wasn't as good a game as people might have thought, but it got kicked off a bit at the end where Milan thought they'd equalised and there was a dubious at best offside call, which we'll come to later on. But Kev, 
in terms of who needed to win this match, Napoli had dropped down to fourth. Milan were still still second, and they were, I think, only a point behind Inter at this stage. Um, so, you know, in terms of the tyrants, Napoli needed were the ones who needed to win this. How how much of a boost is it to them after this run of form to actually get the three points here? I think it's a huge boost for Napoli, given they'd sort of slipped a little bit. But, you know, the, after you've won the first eight games of the season, the, the only way is down because you're not going to maintain that. Um, I, I'm not sure I quite agree that Napoli needed it more. Or, they needed the points more to be able to sort of go and kind of get level with Milan, go back into second. But whether it's more important or not, I would argue that given Milan's performances rather than results of late and the fact that they were at home, it's probably they've suffered a bigger sort of blow to their confidence losing this game at San Siro than than, than Napoli will get from going away, or maybe maybe equal. But but I think it, I think it's still quite significant for for Milan. But um, yeah, on paper, if you took a, took out where they were playing the game, Napoli needed it more. But um, I think it can have a uh, a negative. Well, it certainly had a negative effect on the night, but it could have a long-standing negative effect on Milan. Yeah, certainly. Vito, do you think um, if if you look at this from a neutral's perspective in terms of the title race, I think, I think like I've said, I can understand why he doesn't fully agree Napa needed it more generally speaking, but in terms of points, obviously they did. They were the ones who were behind. Um, so from a neutral standpoint, I think most people have got to be quite pleased that Napoli are the ones who won this in order to, to bunch up that title fight, basically. It does... Uh help that situation, like you mentioned, that uh, we still have a few contenders for the title instead of, uh, you know, letting Inter sort of create another gap and build uh, the title challenge to go on and win back-to-back Scudetti. But uh, for Napoli, I think it was a big win. And when you consider they've got five players who would essentially be starters, you know, the likes of Insigne, Koulibaly, Fabian Ruiz... Marui and Victor Ozzyman, um, I think to get the win in Milan is a great result. And uh, Luciano Spalletti can be pleased that uh, his team managed to get the result that they did. And uh, it does give them uh, an opportunity to get back on track. Yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure that this is the best result for the neutral. If you take it from the perspective that this this kind of just looks like Napoli, Milan, Atalanta will just continue dropping points, you know, when they face each other. And, you know, for the neutral, probably Milan winning and getting one point behind Inter would have been the better result. So there's a total race because actually this this result where it kind of leaves Milan and Napoli both four points behind Inter, we could end up with that sort of fight below, you know, fight below Inter and Inter just run away with the league. So maybe... Maybe actually for the neutral, if you want to see a total race, Milan probably getting a bit of uh, confidence and starting a run to sort of chase down their city rivals would have been better for the neutral. But I understand, yeah, I know where you're coming from, you and that it's it's keeping almost three stroke four sides in the total race, but it also kind of lends into into being able to start to pull away now. Yeah, yeah, I get what you mean. I suppose you'd potentially rather have a team find the sort of form that actually matches into rather than just... It's, it's you know, two-horse race them. or no race. 
Yeah, yeah. I suppose if you prioritise a two-horse title race or a four-team Champions League race, which I think you're within your right to prioritise the first one. <laughs> um, towards the end of the game, like I said, it Milan equalised through Franck Kessier. It was in stoppage time, I think, or at least very near the 90. Um, and then, I mean, on the face of it, it didn't look like a goal that would be ruled out, but then a VAR check ensued. And it basically showed that Giroud was lying down in an offside position and was kind of entangled with the defender who then was involved with prodding the ball away, which found its way to Cassier and he eventually scored. I I think I've made my decision on it. Vito, how did you feel about that decision? Do you think that was rightly chalked off? Mm. Look, I, th- I thought it was uh, rightly chalked off. It seemed that, yeah, from how I saw it, I thought the way the entanglement was that uh, it seemed that uh, uh, Giroud had impeded uh, Juan Jesus and brought him back down. So, yeah, I would feel gutted if I was Cassie, especially the way the goal came in the circumstances. Also, what it would have meant for the season at this stage. But, uh, yeah, just the way it happened in the build-up. I think perhaps if it wasn't for the entanglement... um, we might have been looking at a different scenario and the goal might have stood. What about you, Kev? How did you feel? Well, well, you said you were settled with how you think it should be. You've never actually gave us a... <laughs> oh, I'm yet to reveal. I'm, I'm, I'm not letting my opinion influence you. <laughs> uh, okay, fair enough. I'll let you have that. Because I'm, I'm so influential that you know, I have to keep it to myself for a bit. I, I, I must admit, when I was watching it, because I was watching it on um, the tablet, so you're on stream. So I was quite, I was, I was probably thirty seconds behind the alerts I was getting on my phone. So actually, I kind of knew it had been disallowed, and I was trying to work out what until. And um, I originally, I thought it must have been for a foul, where you saw the ball got pumped into the box, and then it, it turns out it was for this kind of offside. And uh, our, our very own Connor Clancy uh, was sort of making the point that. Uh, Juan Jesus leaves that ball if Giroud isn't there. So when the ball is going towards him, um, he makes them he makes the move because the player's there. And in the same way, if he misses that ball and it goes to Giroud and he manages to get himself up and he scores and, he, and he's offside. So um, I think I'm I don't like it, but I'm relatively comfortable with this decision that the officials made that he was judged to be um, offside because he was active. Yeah, I think, uh, to be honest, me withholding my opinion is only interesting if it differs to your two's opinions, and it doesn't. Um, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, he's, you know, it's, he, he's not, like, vividly involved with the play, but he's literally entangled with a defender who is kicking the ball. I mean, that's that's got to be enough, isn't it, to, <laughs> to be offside, surely? What, what I will say is, considering the game was quite, quite poor and, and probably because of the, the players that were missing for both sides, it was... You know, you had you had the early excitement of the Almas goal, and then it was it was a largely a war of attrition for eighty odd minutes, and the pressure that Milan imposed upon Napoli towards the end felt like they not only were going to get a goal, but probably deserved a goal, and a point probably would have been a fair result. So, um, yeah, it it was less it was less old oh, Milan. They've they've done it again and got a late goal more old. Oh, they probably deserved that for the pressure they've had, but it was still equally funny to see 
all of the VAR uh, rigmarole <laughs> afterwards. Yeah, everyone flapping around. It's like you say, it's a shame for Franchetti in the sense that the reason the goal was chalked off's got absolutely nothing to do with him. You know, the ball the ball came to him and he very instinctively swept it away and it you know, you could feasibly we'll never know, but it could feasibly have been a very important moment in their season and it's the sort of result that like I say, I think it's the correct uh, decision, I mean. It's the correct decision. But it's it's an unlucky situation, if you know what I mean. It's an unlucky set of circumstances that you <laughs> happen to be lying down there and all that sort of thing. But um, Kev sort of alluded to this earlier, Vito. But just just based off this patch that the last that these two teams have been in and this game, do do you see one or both of them being able to keep chase with the form that Inter are currently showing? Assuming that Inter carry on in this sort of vein, can, can you see? Either of these teams actually sticking with them? Um, at this stage, I'm doubtful that AC Milan can uh, sustain the challenge because there have been some players that are not um, performing at the level that they would have been either last season or even in the earlier rounds of this one. And for Napoli to get the victory, like I pointed out earlier, with uh, five important plays absent. I think that's a big win. And to do it in Milan is an even bigger bonus. If they can grind out these kind of results for the time being, then I reckon the Partenope can make a greater push for the title or put the pressure on Inter once they get those uh, key personnel back. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how... One number one, how how into continue whether they do stay like this, and we'll we'll talk about a bit more later on, but um, just how Milan and Napoli continue to weather the injury based storm that they're currently in. Um, another game this weekend. This was a much better game in terms of uh, the general interest of it and the surprising nature of the result. Atalanta won Roma four, which, as I said at the beginning, I did the preview with. Um, Michael Jones earlier this week, and I kind of said that, you know, Roma's first thought here, given the form that Atalanta are in, has to be, you know, don't get battered, I think is what I said. In the end, they sort of battered Atalanta the other way around. Kev, what what are Roma right now? Because, you know, I, I follow them very closely and I still can't really work it out. <laughs> I can't work out if they're good or not. Well, I, I I don't follow them as closely as as you. I but they're certainly not what I expected them to be under Mourinho. Um, you know, maybe that is stereotyping Mourinho after his decades in in management. Um, but certainly, like like you previewed going into this game with Atalanta attacking like they do, scoring goals like they do, I kind of expected them to. Uh, attempt to shut up shop and sort of steal a 1-0 win um, it might be because Mourinho is still finding his feet there um, but they're not going to they're not going to mount a Champions League challenge I don't think because they've just got the you know next week they can go and lose 4-1 or not next week but midweek they could probably go and do exactly the same so but, it, but very un-Mourinho un- like yeah there's just this odd lack of consistency with them where it's a lack of consistency not just in terms of results but it's the performances as well they can be so so different um 
But in terms of Atalanta Vito, um, I sort of preface this by saying that it's, people be within their right to say it's reading too much into it. Roma are a good team. And while, you know, but ultimately Atalanta ought to be beating them at home. Is is this sort of result, this sort of weird, heavy defeat that you didn't see coming, is that the reason why Atalanta might not be able to sustain a genuine, like right now, as far as I'm concerned, they are doing a title challenge. But in terms of across the entire season, is this sort of result the reason why they might just not quite manage it? Yes. Results like this Good. aren't the con. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, as I was going to say, results like this aren't ideal for teams that are going to be fighting for the title. It's fundamental that uh, you're always going to be strong at home. Perhaps in other leagues, you might be able to you know, get away with it or bounce back. But uh, in Serie A, more often than not, we see teams that uh, you are know, strong at home. And even if they lose, it's against teams that are uh, you know, either the strong rivals, or they don't get blown out like they did, to concede four at home, uh, it's a very bad look for Ladea. And uh, it's these kind of inconsistent results or off results that will um, that will be detrimental to Atalanta, especially if they are going to try and win a historical first title. So um, they certainly need to be less naive, but also uh, even when there are teams that know how to defend deep, they need to find various ways to unlock those opposition defences. Yeah, I think it's quite hard to know, like, like I said before, how much to read into this sort of result. Because in terms of the opponent, opponent, like we said, Roma, you just don't seem to know what you're going to get. They can suddenly be really, really good. But... This was the sort of game, obviously, they were, Atalanta got back to 2-1 and then had a goal disallowed for a similar sort of offside situation to the Milan one involving um, involving Palomino. And obviously, it, you know, on another day, that's the sort of situation where Atalanta might then go and win 4-2 themselves. And it just seems to it just seems to flit either way with them sometimes. But like you say, you just, you, you've got to have that fortress home record, basically, if you're going to um, win the title. Sammy Abraham scored twice in this game. And, you know, the first goal, while it was a stupid goal in the sense that he um, sort of worked his way through and then somebody tackled him and it pinged off his leg and looped over the keeper and went in. There, there's still some skill involved in the sense that the, the tenacity of the run and the way he was muscling off defenders, etc. that, you know, there, there was something there <laughs> in terms of forward play. And obviously he scored... A nice goal later on as well. Um, Kev, do you think, you know, we talk about players like Vlajevic all the time, and obviously Tammy Abraham does get talked about a lot, but can he maintain this pretty consistent level for the whole season, do you think, or do you think he might level off at some point soon? Um, I think he probably can. He's got he's got the confidence of Mourinho. You sort of look at his career. He had um, a spell when he was out on loan at Swansea and they... You know, once there was sort of the faith was lost, it looked like they'd lost faith in him. Sort of his goal, his goal ratio went down. The next year on loan at Villa, again, once he had that sort of confidence with his coach and they got promoted, he sort of he hit twenty five in you know in that in that season. Went to went to Chelsea and was very much Lampard's 
um, you know, first choice given the number nine shirt and had a great season. Then again, it, it dipped again once once Tuckle Tuckle came in. So if if it's following the same kind of trajectory and trend of his career, going to somewhere where he feels loved and he certainly looks as though he's he's settled in Rome and uh, you know he's enjoying his time there. So I think I think that's as as crucial for him maintaining some of this form as as, as how the yeah you know, him personally or his ability. Um, so yeah, I, I don't see why he, he he would start kind of finish the season maybe with fifteen twenty goals for Roma, which would, which would be a good campaign I think for somebody coming into the league um, and someone who's still relatively young. Yeah, I think it definitely would be. Feature um, just out of interest actually, it's just popped into my head. Obviously, being Kev being English, we kind of already had a opinion of Tammy Abraham already formed before he went to Roma. Did you did you have any thoughts about him? before he arrived at Roma? Was he someone you rated or had he not really sort of crossed your radar, as it were? I had only seen bits and pieces of him play at Chelsea when uh, Lampard was the manager. And I thought he looked like he was a good finisher, quick. But uh, at the same time, I did have that uh, general perception of uh, British players uh, coming in to Serie and to see if he could adapt to the more stereotypical, say, technical and tactical nature of the Italian game. Um, I think it's uh, been beneficial that uh, he has a coach like Mourinho, who has coached in the Premier League, can speak English. So even if uh, Abraham doesn't know how to speak Italian, so I don't know what his level of Italian is like, at least Mourinho can communicate communicate with him and uh, transmit his ideas upon him. So far, it seems like uh, Abraham is making a rather solid contribution. And uh, I think one thing that's really impressed me, he's shown that he's got a bit more to his game. He's not just a classical poacher or he's not a traditional centre forward that's just going to you know, win aerial challenges. He's very mobile. He's quick. He's got a pretty good shot on him too. He can link up with teammates. But, uh, yeah, with a bit more time in Italy and also... With the guidance of Mourinho, I think he's got the ability to develop into a far more complete striker, and I think that will be beneficial for him and uh, Roma as a team. Yeah, definitely. Sometimes it's interesting to get a slightly fresher perspective, as it were, on <laughs> on a English player going to another league, players like Tamori, etc. Um, sticking with Roma, Kev, is this does this result sort of? mean anything for them in the sense that you know it's just a glimpse of what they can be can they build on this or is it just like you know the cards fell in the right way and they took their opportunities sort of thing well it, the game itself felt like the cards <laughs> fell just right for them and they were just clinical when the when the chances came along but i certainly think that it can provide a huge kind of boost to them and we're looking at you know what they can do on their day or the fact that this has got them closer to Atalanta by just signing six points between the between the two of them in the in the league, well, they might not maintain that. They can at least go into every other game, or at least the next the next few, and think, you know, look what we did here. Maybe they'll fall behind in the next game, but they can kind of keep reverting back to thoughts of this victory against the side that people were talking about as being a Scudetto contender. Yeah, I think. I was probably one of them people, to be honest, at the start, because I got very swept up with um, Mourinho going there, Abraham going there. It was all 
yeah, there was, there, was a, there was a lot of nice feelings around that. There was there was a lot of positive feeling around it. That um, yeah, that fourth is certainly the aspirational aim, and even that will probably be too far. Um, higher up the table, um, we obviously mentioned that Inter had won. They didn't just win; they really, really won. They um, beat Salernitana five nil, and it was. I mean, it was just a battering. It was, you know, it could have been so many more than five. And Salernitana never came close to doing anything in that game. Um, I think into a 2 0 up at half time. And it was just, the whole thing was a doddle, basically, Vito. Um, and do you, do you think Inter can just, is it just because it was Salernitana or are they that good? I honestly think Inter are that good. In the first round of the season, I did did have those thoughts when they had that emphatic victory against Genoa. Although they played well, uh, Genoa showed on that day that they weren't up to scratch and they've continually showed that uh, uh, they're not good enough. But uh, I think in the last couple of months, Inter have um, managed to find their rhythm uh, Inzaghi is implementing his own ideas into the team, making his own little variations to the foundations Antonio Conte laid for him. And also with players like Hakan Shalkanoglu and um, Denzel Dumfries coming in, they're starting to settle as well. And I feel that Inzaghi's got an abundance of options now too. So even with the best 11 available, they can play well. And then they've got players off the bench are capable of making significant contributions in their own right. So um, there's a lot to like about this Inter team and the way they've played in the last few weeks. We can use the opposition to discredit them, but uh, I think the way they move the ball, uh, the way they you know create these chances and have such confidence, uh, they're probably an Inter side that I've really enjoyed watching in quite a long time. What did you feel about them, Kev? I think you do have to take into account the um, the opposition. Um, it's it's not a good look. I saw a few people online saying, "Oh, Syria needs to go back to eighteen teams," and I agree with that. Not not because of the quality of the the teams, because of just the sheer number of games that players are forced to play these days. You know, regardless of whether you've got twenty or eighteen teams, this still shows the quality of the 20th worst side in Italy because there is a, you know, there is a pyramid below that where, you know, if you promote these teams, you know, just demoting them to a lower lower division doesn't actually make any difference really. You know, in the Premier League, you saw Manchester City who are sitting top at the moment um, beat Leeds 7-0 and they're, you know, a, a little bit above the relegation zone there. So, what you know, the the dominance for me. What I found amusing about the the, the game on Friday night was um, about fifty five, fifty six minutes in, uh, Inzaghi decided to make sort of a triple substitution at um, at three nil up, and it was just the way they all never they never quite left the pitch. Sorry, they did leave the pitch, but they never quite left the technical area. And there were all these sort of there was Barella and there was all these players that were hugging each other as if it was like a and half of them hadn't broken sweat. It was like a pre-season game. It just it had this real feel of any pre-season game I've ever watched, where it's like, oh yeah, lads, you've had your you've had your fifty-minute run out. That's it. You know, you've not really broken sweat. You're free and lucky. It was just 
that for me just just spoke volumes because there was there weren't even really any congratulatory pats on the back and stuff. It was all more like they were like laughing and joking with themselves. You think you're 55 minutes into a game, even against the Salernitana side as bad as they are, there is still a risk that a side can score three goals within that time that's left. Yet it was all like. Yeah, no, go and sit down, or oh, stop! Don't go straight to the bench. You can have a little chat with you know the assistant manager, or assistant coach, or everything. It's just it was it was it was funny but bizarre, and just I think showed also how dominant probably into feel at the moment and confident going into games. Yeah, there was like I say with with the way the players came off and stuff and the celebrations. I think there was quite a Coppa Italia feel about the entire game. Almost, it just felt like everyone knew what was going to happen. Um, I think the uh, comments one I had said before the game, we're going to need a perfect performance, basically, <laughs> in order to get anything. And um, I don't know, maybe that was perfect from their point of view, in the sense that I, I can't think of any direct horrendous errors that led to a goal. They were just battered by a really good team who were significantly better than them. You talked about things not being a good look. Um so obviously, Salernitana have got their ownership situation that is ongoing, where you know there is a very real possibility that they get demoted from Serie A before the season's even finished. I mean, they're certainly going anyway, you'd think, but um, before the season's even finished, and it it just leaves a bit of a sour taste in a general sense for the league, seeing Inter rock up and batter this team that are sort of semi illegal, as it were, at the moment. Mm. Well, Inter can only beat whatever's in front of them. So, uh, although that's a bad look in that regard, I think ultimately the bad look is this whole concept in Italy where owners could own two clubs. So, I think with that all changed now, um, perhaps that's uh, a, a great thing that they've made the change. Unfortunately for Salernitana, there's apparently been difficulty in selling the club. And uh, the deadline for them to have new ownership is on December 31. And I'm rather pessimistic about the situation. Supposedly, some fund from Luxembourg could be acquiring the club. But, uh, you know, once that actually happens, you know, it's really a case of I'll believe it when I see it. Um, I, I personally feel sorry for the Salonitana fans because, you know, to have this thought that the club's going to be in some doubt their survival could be, you know, taken away from them. And it's only the third time in history that they've been in Serie A. So to end the season abruptly would just be a great shame. And to be stuck in this uh, situation, I think it's embarrassing for the league, but more specifically the administrators, the people running the league. To have this kind of situation come up in the first place, I think is uh, absurd to say the least. They shouldn't have promoted them. But, you know, bottom line, if you think about Spain, where there's a lot of B-sides in, in the Segunda, and I think there's been maybe a, maybe a handful of occasions over the last decade where B-teams have got into playoff or promotion places and they've just had to forfeit the game so they can never be promoted to La Liga. That's, that's what should have happened. Now, people would argue that's, that, that's, that's not very good for Salernitana fans who want to see their team having aspirations to get promoted. But then actually that would probably mean that you would get some uh, opposition from the fans or whoever 
against somebody coming in and buying, you know, owning a second club, if you like, because it does, you know, because they would then know that they can get only so far and not ever go to, to Serie A. So I think if they if they dug their heels in over the summer or even towards the end of the last campaign when they knew they had the chance of get promoted, then this could have been um, resolved a little bit sooner than what it is now. But because they're doing so poorly, I think you just let them play the season out. They're not really affecting anybody, are they? It's not the only scenario we've got here is maybe if Lazio Lazio pull themselves together close to a European spot and they play Salernitana, you know, a couple of weeks before the end of the season, and <laughs> they, they need a set, they need a seven goal swing to sort of get into the European places. Then suddenly, oh, they lose, and it, it would just raise loads of questions. It wouldn't necessarily mean that it had been fixed, but it, it's not a good look. Yeah, I mean, I suppose they're they're not harming anyone until they beat. No, literally, they are literally not harming anybody. (laughs) Yeah, but they go and beat Spezia on the final day and drag them from seventeenth to eighteenth and let Cagliari or somebody like that stay up and (laughs) and everyone will be up in arms. But like you say, it's hard for the it'd be very harsh on the Salentana fans to have stopped them coming out purely for the fact that you know they won't give two shits that Lazio exists. (laughs) It's not like they're it's not like they're mates as such. They um. As far as they're concerned, they support one football team. Um, Vito, you alluded to Hakan Jalanolu um, earlier on, who um, I'll come to Kev for this actually, just because I've just decided to. Um, has he finally found that sort of consistency that is the precise thing that he was kind of used against him, <laughs> generally speaking, at Milan? Uh, I, well, it- I'm going to say no, just purely because although we are sort of uh, 18 rounds into the season, he's found consistency for maybe 18 rounds. But, you know, there's a lot. There's, he was inconsistent for a much longer period than 18 games. So he might just be experiencing a bit of a purple patch. I think he does He does look great in this inter side because of his set-piece deliveries. You know, he's you know, for a side that looks so dangerous from set-pieces, him coming into that into that team and you know, he delivered for the for the corner that Perisic uh, opened the scoring in Salernitana. But um, I still feel he's got he's got a, a dip coming at some point in the season. So I'm not going to say he's found a complete level of consistency. He's just in a purple <laughs> patch. Yeah, see how he gets on. Um, other results this weekend then. So we had, we'll see, Lazio beat Genoa 3-1, which Vito, Lazio need that sort of relatively calm win because they always seem to be in a storm don't they hmm. they do have their own consistency issues the Bianco Celesti so to get the win at home I think was a big plus uh, they they dominate most of the game and even when Genoa did attack they didn't look particularly dangerous at all so um, in general it was a great win and then Luis Alberto to come off the pitch to supply two assists I think that was a big bonus for them so We'll see if this uh, generates any consistency on their part. Bologna nil, Juve two. Kev, Juve have won three and drawn one in their last four. Do you think they're getting it a bit now, or is is this another false dawn like they had earlier in the season? This is one hundred percent a false dawn. <laughs> they were. They, I, I I I covered this game and they were atrocious. Atrocious might be too strong a word. They, you know, it was heavy, heavy fog in um, Emilia Romagna, 
Uh, they, they went ahead within six minutes. And then it was just sh- shocking how, uh, you know, a side, okay, not, they didn't win the league last year, but a side that had won nine of the last 10 championships just, just, just decided to just defend for the rest of the game. They conceded possession to Bologna almost for the entirety of the game. Bologna were very unlucky that, well, Bologna really just didn't have anybody at the, at the sharp end for them to, to score any goals. I think they had one sort of clear chance that, that Chesney saved. And then they got, and Juve got a deflected strike on 81 minutes from Quadrado. And it looked a much more dominant, if you like, result or, you know, comprehensive win than it, than it actually was. And, and I felt bad for Allegri, the way he was kind of smiling when Quadrado scored. I would have been embarrassed by how they played. They, they, they look so, like so many parts not fitting in the right places and struggling and just, it, you know, there was a there was a few Juventus kind of um, prominent fans on social media that I follow that were that I was glad to see were saying the same thing because I think you can be a bit too fanatical as a supporter sometimes, and they can go, oh, you know, this is a Juventus way we're grinding out results, and you know, this is what we want to see. But you've got to look beyond that sometimes as a supporter um, because they've had that success, and so they tried to make this transition to better football. That's why they. Brought in Sari, that didn't didn't work. They want to they well, they want a title, and they tried to be something they're not. And at the moment, I don't know what they are. They don't look like they're going to grind out results. They don't look like they're going to be playing entertaining football anytime soon. Sorry, sorry for the the rant. You can see how disappointed <laughs> I was with the ninety minutes I had to sit for it. Well, your your rant is irrelevant as to whether they were good or not because the fog looked cool, and that's all I care about. Um, Vito, you are not a fan of Udinese. They're not your friends, but they they beat Cagliari four 0 Was that was it enough fun for you? Did you did you like this version of Udinese? Oh, it's a welcome change. You know, it's back to the days of when they had Guidolina as coach and Di Natale up front. Uh, I don't expect them to be in any way consistent, but at least this performance was far more watchable than a lot of the other ones this season. And uh, Gerard Delufeu he had a fantastic game. Just two lovely goals. Just, um, they were a sight to behold. But uh, yeah, at least this performance was worthwhile. Yeah, the of Fair was fantastic. He can turn in that sort of the sort of performance that makes you realise why he was a big deal at Barcelona for a while, and people felt that he would possibly do a bit more than he has done. But there's certainly no shame in what he has been doing. Um, Kev Fiorentina two, Sassuolo two. I watched this as well, and it was. A lot of fun. I had a very nice time. There was lots of good players, some good goals, good drama, which got ruined a bit by Baraghi. How did you find this game? Yeah, no, you you, you summed up very well. I, I share your love of the what is in the UK is eleven thirty a.m. kickoff. Mm, it's um, lovely, it's, isn't it? It's, it's a perfect time, but all often an awful game. Um, whereas coming yeah. into this with Fiorentina Sassuolo, you, you you never thought you were going to get that, and and that's how it turned out. Um, I particularly like Skamaka's first goal, sort of the touch and just how, you know, that drilled shot across the goalkeeper that sort of barely lifts itself off the off the floor and was so expertly put into an area where the goalkeeper couldn't get it, you know, just inside the inside the post. And then that real um, sort of end-to-end move for, for, Tra- for Taisy to, to put them 2-0 up. Then you had, you know, you had something that the UK broadcast picked up on, which I kind of wasn't paying attention to, where 
Italiano changed outfits about three times during the first half. <laughs> um, showing and, off their winter catalogue, wouldn't they? Yeah, and then um, the, the Vlavic goal was another um, for him and another well-taken one. And you had Vlavic towards the end of the game when he got taken off was clearly not very happy of Italiano. With it. I think there's about there's about five minutes plus injury time left, and it was a it was a strange move um, from the Fiorentina coach. And then, like you say, Baragi just decided to try and elbow people or stroke people with his arms flailing around um, a bit too often and, and saw a red. But, um, yeah, it, it's nice when you get a couple of sides like this um, coming together on that early morning slot on a Sunday. Right, we'll rattle off these next two so that we can give Vito ample time to talk about Samp. So, Vito, first you'll have to talk about Spezia versus Empoli. Um Empoli are in decent form. It's got to, it's got to annoy their fans not to beat a team like Spezia to just continue racking up those points, basically. It was really a case of two points lost for Empoli, especially because they are in a good position now in the table and they have got some impressive results against some quality opposition. Even in La Spezia, you would have thought that uh, it would have been a good chance for Empoli to get an away win. And looking at the chances that were created... Perhaps uh, the Tuscan side should have won more comprehensively instead of just, uh, you know, uh, getting a draw when both teams scored own goals. So that was even more bizarre. Um, Torino won, Palace Verona nil. Um, Torino obviously started seeing very well and they've sort of dropped into the top of the bottom half um, for the last few weeks. But Palace Verona's curve are surely the, the sort of team they need to beat if they're going to climb back up again, as it were. Yeah, absolutely. It was quite an assured performance from Torino and um, they'll be much happier halfway through the season nearly than, than, than where they were last last campaign. Um, obviously, uh, Magnani, Magnani, yeah. Anyway, Verona got someone sent off tw- 24 minutes in and then Torino took the lead from the resulting free kick um, with a bit of sort of pinball in the box. And it would have just been interesting to actually see if Verona had held on a little bit longer after that red card, because because I think the defender attempted to stop uh, the player scoring and managed to stop uh, stop themselves conceding a penalty, but then scoring straight afterwards kind of negated um, that action, and um, yeah, so it kind of killed the game a little bit. Uh, <coughs> pardon me, and Vito, how are you feeling after Samp one? Venezia won. Uh, I thought it was a bit disappointing, especially considering that Sump took an early lead and it was a lovely goal that Sump scored through Manolo Gabbiadini. I thought the combination play between Algello and Caputo before Gabbiadini put the ball in the net was fantastic. And then to just let it slip towards the end, especially how Yoshida was just jockeying and allowed uh, Tomao Henry to scored the equaliser, I thought that was a bit disappointing. Not only that, uh, Caldara made an incredible block on Candreva's volley towards the end, so I really felt for Samp it was a case of two points lost as well. In general, though, it's good that at least in the last few weeks we've managed to get some good results and uh, the Blue Cercato half of Genoa's happier now that Massimo Ferrero is no longer president. So, um, yeah, hopefully we see a few more brighter days ahead. 
Absolutely. It's, it's a nice note to end. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's us. That's all our results for this week. Uh, reminder, patreon.com forward slash what's Italian football. There's three different tiers. It's all it's all good value. It's all nice and cheap for everyone. If you could if you feel you can spare the money and you want more stuff. Um, but yeah, that's it from us for the main podcast. Say goodbye, Vito. Goodbye. And goodbye from Kev. Goodbye, everybody. And goodbye from me. Ah, 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 ah.